Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. This is Tony Jones, the Reverend Hunter, and I am joined as always by the oats to my hall, Brandon. <laughs> uh, hey, how's it going, Tony? Which one? Have I used that one before? No, no. I, no. I'm, what worries me is that I'm not keeping track. And so I have these ideas, random ideas of like the sidekick, you know, sidekicks in culture. And then I, I'm i like, have I, have I just thought about Hall & Oates before or have I actually used Hall & Oates? But I guess based on your authentic laughter, I'm guessing... That was a first. That was definitely a first. I'm, I'm cool with being John Oates. At least he's got the stash. He does have a sweet stash and kind of a nice perm fro deal going. And he's so. kind of the quiet guy in the background. It is really a decent analogy if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 are the quiet guy in the background. Uh, how did did you? Did, how, how does your dog deal with fireworks? He's fine. He he, yeah. he should have been a hunting dog. He doesn't doesn't get bothered by it at all. You know, same for my dog. Uh, Courtney's little dog Luna though uh, freaks out, and so we've had a couple couple rough nights with her. But uh, it's funny the number of people who complain on social media about fireworks and their dogs. Yeah, it's something else, and I I can't relate in the slightest. Like my dog doesn't bat an eye. He was just laying out on the ground yeah. last night, just chilling. Nor does I think complaining on social media really make any change in the world. <laughs> I mean, not just in that, but in any topic. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> this is news to me. I thought every time you complain on social media, stuff happened. I thought yeah, it moves the dial, moves the needle. Yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. People are like, we should get rid of all fireworks because of our dogs and. Etc. Etc. Um, There's so many things that make loud bangs. We where do you start? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, speaking of being the quiet guy in the background, you were that for this uh, this conversation that we're airing today. You you came to my house. It was our first live in person interview uh, since Michael Chan in my backyard, which must have been last summer because we sat outdoors and. Um, it was nice having you over, and you got to see our in-progress kitchen remodel happening. Yeah, it was great to see you as in person as well, and the kitchen looked great, actually. It looked it was really cool. And Thanks, man. I'm excited to see the final product. And you've still got a power strip over here. I've got to get back to you. And there's a, there's a little eighth-inch, there's an eighth to an eighth-inch uh, cord, too. I think that's probably yours. All right. So I just figured I'd air that for everyone to hear about the stuff you leave behind. That's an excuse for me to come over and maybe get some free meats or something. That's right. The audio engineer breadcrumbs that are left behind. Uh, Uh, Hey, this guy we have on, I, I loved meeting him in person. He and I have corresponded a bunch. And as you'll hear, I've actually used his sauna in Duluth on the, on the North, on the shore, the South shore of, on the canal park shore of Lake Superior. Um, Justin. Okay. I asked him before we went on the air, Juntinen is how he says it. But he was like, if you were in Finland, it would be Juntinen. (laughs) <laughs> so Juntinen is also an appropriate uh, pronunciation, but he goes by Justin Juntinen. But the dude is Finnish, man. I mean, he's Finnish American. He's like third generation American, but he this guy is got the full Finnish cultural thing going, and a big part of that is is having a sauna, building saunas, I- inviting other people to um, experience saunas. So. Yeah, what what do you think having listened to this conversation live? It made me want to jump into a sauna, actually. <laughs> Super funny. And now I have to pronounce it sauna as well. Yeah, but totally. Yeah, no, it was really, really cool. I, I I learned a lot as I do in most of these episodes. But uh yeah, sauna sounds fun. Yeah, he's a great guy. I think everyone's really gonna love this conversation. Um cedarandstonesauna.com is his website. You can find that in the show notes. You can also follow him on Instagram, which is pretty sweet because you get a lot of like video tours of the different saunas that they've built, uh, plus uh, all their upcoming events. If you're ever in Duluth, I just can't recommend it highly enough. Um, But also, 
but I mean, to go through their sauna experience, which is right on the shore of Lake Superior. But as he says in the interview, they're expanding and building saunas all around the country that are kind of using their same, um, you know, method of hot, cold, hot, cold, and just the whole overall wellness that comes with sauna, which is, as he says, and as the title of this episode indicates, is a verb. To sauna is a verb. Um, so sauna culture we talk about and the benefits of it uh, and how he grew up and even, you know, kind of toward the end about faith and and uh, his experience in church, etc. Um, and then there's one question he doesn't answer, but you've got to stay till the end of the episode. So make sure you tune in at the very end of the episode to find out the question that you really want to know. Uh, so thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, and share the Reverend Hunter podcast with everyone you know and enjoy this conversation with the founder and owner of Cedar and Stone Sauna, Justin Juntinen. Thanks for joining me in my deconstructed living room. Is that like a, you know, a, a metaphor for the deconstruction of <laughs> I, people's face that you help people I work wonder, with? <laughs> I wonder how many of my listeners know about this whole like ex-evangelical Twitter deconstruction right. thing. It's it is thing. pretty niche though. It is. But so is like I had to. <laughs> who did I reach out to? I think I texted Trip Fuller, okay, of the Homebrewed Christianity podcast. Was it Trip? Somebody I reached out to, and I'm like, "What is the deconstruction?" Because I was doing deconstruction back <laughs> in the day, bro. <laughs> like a true Gen Xer, right? Not, like that was a. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I I know people I think who have deconstruction tattoos, right. But it's now it's more of a Twitter fad, you know. It's it's funny. It's it's uh, it's it's been a long, strange trip. It's an honor to get to be here. Hey, man. Uh, I was funny because, well, first of all, we got to get something right off the bat. What's that? Okay, I told I had a group of of seminary students that I took to the Boundary Waters, and then we stopped by your place in Duluth. We had an incredible experience that I want to talk about, but it's funny because I told them they had to say sauna, not sauna, but I had previously scolded one of them and publicly shamed him for saying portage instead of portage. I'm like, no, dude, nobody says portage. Like if you say portage in the boundary waters, you're going to get mocked by me and everybody else, every other Minnesotan. It's like, it's not a portage. You're not a voyageur. But then I'm like, <laughs> when we got to Duluth, I'm like, oh, by the way, it's sauna, not sauna. Right. So I, am I right? Are you with me? Am I two for two? So how did it go for you scolding him? Did he change his perspective after the scold and shame? Well, being that I'm the professor and grading his papers and presentations, he just immediately kowtowed to my every want and desire. Wow, great. Yeah. So Which I have, is a little unfair. I mean, that position of power. Fair enough. So I have two little kids and um, scolding and shaming seldom works for behavioral change in my experience. Okay. So as we enter the conversation of how is this word pronounced <laughs> S-A-U-N-A, Many people would say it sauna. Yeah. And in fact, in the English dictionary, that is one of the pronunciations. Okay. Now, my family, I've grown up with a family from Finland, which is where that word originates from. Yeah. It's a Finnish word. It's the only Finnish word in the dictionary. What? It is. In the English dictionary, it's the one Finnish word that migrated over to English. Now, there are many families of Finnish and Northern European descent, Nordic descent, and they, many of them immigrated over here to yeah. Minnesota, yeah. especially yeah. northern right. Minnesota. Right. And they love being cultural preservationists. It's very important for them to protect this cultural treasure that is the sauna or the sauna, as they and my family would pronounce that word. Okay. And I've watched people my whole life scold people for how to pronounce that word. Ah, uh. And it almost never changes anybody's perspective. <laughs> they just say, fine, dude, because they have never yeah. had a good 
or engaging experience with sauna. So I would think about it like providing somebody a, a great meal, like a cultural dish that's been that's super tasty and amazing if you go to a new place. Yeah. People then begin to ask, what is this? Mm-hmm. What am I eating? What am mm-hmm. I tasting? What am I experiencing? What's in this, this meal? This is great. That's the moment where you tell them it's sauna <laughs> because they're, yeah. they're prepped and ready for it. Mm-hmm. So I never reprimand. We just serve them the most authentic Nordic Finnish inspired sauna experience. And by the end of it, they're, at, they're literally saying to me, you pronounce that word differently than I do. Why is that? It, the table set. It becomes a teaching moment. And, the teaching, and then they're like, okay, great. I'm going to work on that from now on. I, I know. I have a history. I've experienced the thing. So sauna or That's sauna, good. however you want. <laughs> That's good. But have a quality version of it. Before. Yeah. Most people know sauna like they know fireball whiskey. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's <laughs> such a good question because it, it was interesting even with this group. Um, another guy uh-huh. was like... Uh, he's like, when I was in high school, I worked at a health club. Yep. And the sauna was like the sketchiest place in, right. the, men, in the men's locker room. And I never went in there because like, you know, untoward things happen in there. Sure. And I, I, that's when it really occurred to me because I hit the sauna and the steam room every day at Lifetime Fitness in the Twin Cities here. Um, it's nothing like the experience that I, of course, had with Liv, your a sauna guide mm-hmm. uh, who, who led us in on the North Shore, nor with the, uh, I did one at the Hewing Hotel a mm-hmm. couple of years ago on the rooftop here, yeah. too, similar kind of a lot of breathing exercises and in and out. It was in the middle of winter. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, that's an odd thing because you, in some ways, right, you, you then need to... People come into the sauna with an idea of what it is, and it's in the health club, right, or something like that. It's, it's not what you're thinking about. So how do you re-educate people? Like, what's the starting point for that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it is, is very equivalent to food. Mm. I think people have been served Americanized versions of things. Here's fast food that's some calories, but it's it's not quality. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you get some flavors, but you don't get all the flavors. And it is by no means an experience. It's a uh, it's it's convenient, right? Yeah. And so sauna. I just grew up literally since I was. a a, a child, a baby. I mean, one of my first memories was being with my dad. I was three. We were building a sauna in our basement. Really? Where was this? Uh, in Esco, Minnesota, just south of Duluth, little Finnish community. Yeah. And my great, great, great grandpa homesteaded a farm there. And Tough so, land. Tough, not great farmland. Oh, no. Not great farmland <laughs> up that far north. <laughs> right. But also not that different from Finland. <laughs> right. Rocky soils, cold weather. Yeah. It was a dairy farm. So that, okay. that helped out. Yeah. Um, so I, I've had this cultural treasure, this experience, this practice that is much more than just um, an opulent spa or a gym fad of wellness. Mm-hmm. It's a cultural tradition. Hmm. It's a way of life. Uh, there was this great quote by one of the sort of main Finnish presidents in the mid-20th century. His name was Urho Kekkonen. And he said, life without sauna to me seems impossible. <laughs> and it, it, like that idea, right? That, that awesome. things are so, that life is, it, it was an honest picture of life, that life is difficult. So we started the conversation um, assuming people care about sauna okay. because we just, we dove Which right in. I both do. Yeah. Um, I don't ever assume that. So when people ask, what do you do? And this is to your question of how do you educate yeah. people first? I never begin with sauna because there's so many wide preconceived notions. I begin with stress. Uh-huh. I begin with the anxiety we're all feeling as a culture right now. And the minute people ask, well, what do you do? I said, you know how life's a little stressful? And I say, yeah, I do. 
I say, me too. I got kids at home and yeah. running a business. And man, life is, it, it beats you up. Well, my goal, my work, all that I'm trying to do is help people relieve that stress. So first you convince people that they're sinful, and then you tell them about the plan of salvation. <laughs> right, yeah. Is this, what we're, uh, is this what we're doing here? Is that, I mean, a, is that an analogy that fits? There's a background of mine that has a bit of a faith tradition, so I mean, maybe that's woven in. <laughs> I would just say it's also good communication. Yeah. You need to tell yeah. them there's a problem before they can care about it. Good plumbers would say not that we have 35 years of business experience being the best plumbers in town. They would say, when shit hits the fan, yeah. you call us and we'll be there fast. Yeah. Right? Can I swore on your podcast. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. 100%. Right. Please swear more. <laughs> so that, that idea is, I think it's both a, how to help people care about a thing. Yeah. It's a, an effective communication tool. And it then gets us into better conversation around it. Because if I'm just like, oh, we run a sound of business, it literally runs the gamut of, well, I, I have an infrared sauna closet in my basement on up to, I grew up in Finland. That is, that is apples and oranges. That is the opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum. And um, so our goal is teach people quality, teach people practice, teach people culture, um, dive a ton into the wellness benefits, mm -hmm. all the things that my grandma and grandpa used to talk about, about sauna being good for you. Well, now the Mayo Clinic is publishing studies that back that up, mm -hmm. right? So in the, in the wellness communities, as we begin to talk about this, oh my, there is deep riches to sort of talk about how good this practice is physically for your body. Mm -hmm but they tend to lack any nuance around practice. It's just like biohacking. How do yeah. I do things faster, better, stronger? Right. So. Okay. Let's talk about growing up in ESCO. Great. What was it like? And, and how was sauna part of that? Like what, how did you all practice it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So growing up in ESCO, Minnesota, small, small town in northern Minnesota, um, about 3,000 people. Um, in just about every home I have lived in, there's been a sauna in the backyard or the basement or at the cabin. And often we have built that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what did that practice look like? It looked like swimming in water. It looked like it was normal for, to, like, I didn't know anything different, right? Okay. Grandma and grandpa, their home does not have a shower anywhere else besides in the sauna. Wow. And they're going to be 80 this year. Awesome. And they, uh, I mean, grandpa's heart health has probably widely benefited from the fact that multiple times a week, every week of his life, he has taken a sauna. So that's, was my next question. Like how often, often mm -hmm. are they doing it? How often did you do it growing mm -hmm. up? And was it clothing optional? Um, because that's a question people are going right. to ask. Yeah. Because I know other Finnish families in the in Minnesota, and mm -hmm. you get invited to their and they yeah. you walk in and their family's naked in the sauna, which is a different cultural experience than most Midwest Midwesterners Protestants uh -huh. grow up with. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, sauna very regularly, multiple times a week. Um, wood wood sauna, like what do they both. have? Both. Both. My, I mean, my family is sauna rich uh, in that. <laughs> in the home, when a sauna is often built into a home, it makes more sense to do electric. Yeah, but if it's in right. the backyard or at the cabin, oh my goodness, wood fire is amazing. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it's about how you structure time. Uh -huh. And when you're at the cabin, time is more often than not abundant. Yes. And you want to do the work of splitting wood. And you've and, got the wood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... Um, my grandfather uh, bought a little piece of property that was sort of the cabin I grew up on. Okay. And I think I have sounded more in the summer than any other season in my life because sauna was so tied to lake cabin culture. Yes, yes. Other people see sauna as just this winter sport, like cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, uh, ice skating, ice fishing, sauna. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. A, the health benefits don't care. Right. What season it is. And B, culturally, it is very common and so wonderful to sauna in the summer. Mm -hmm. You're training your body in these high, high temps. I don't care if it's 95 and muggy out. You just were in 195 
you come back down to 95 and you're like, man, the rest of the day feels great. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so growing up, uh, sauna was regular in every season, multiple times a week. Mm. Um, and sort of pre my generation, it was often um, very communal in that there were specific nights of the week where the sauna would be heated and then people would be invited over. So, okay, you're, you're, I got a 16-year-old yep. right now. I got older kids, but my, I'm thinking about my 16-year-old. I just had, we just had him at the cabin with a couple buddies. So you're 16. Yep. And does your, you like word passes down at breakfast, hey, we're going to sauna tonight or everybody's sounding at seven. And you're like, yeah, I don't think, I'm going to skip it. Like, it's kind of weird. Did you have, a, like, an anti-sauna adolescent rebellion time? No, I never did. I mean, maybe some people did. I was like, hey, we're going to be sauna tonight, right? Like, I'll light the stove. I was, like, the guy pushing it. Okay. Right? I was the person who was always interested, always. I'm an high-E extrovert. Okay. I, you know, was always the one asking grandpa to teach me Finnish words and tell mm-hmm. me the history and the culture and... My favorite story from my grandfather about it was he grew up on the farm and he was this young boy, you know, wanting to sort of be a part of everything that was going on at the farm. And he said, I would sound it with the men because that were, that was the space where the stories were told. Hmm. And Hmm. my grandfather uh, was a barber for 45 years and he's one of the best storytellers I know. And I, I love him so much and that was one thing I really learned from him was how to listen a good barber knows how to listen and knows how to tell a good story and for him he sort of germinates that back to wanting to be in the sauna with no matter what temperature being a young kid he would he would bear any heat to be with the men as they told the stories of the day and I think that's a beautiful picture of what sauna is because it's a communal space it's a space that um, meaning is shared it's a space that is healthy, and we need more spaces like that. You know what that reminds me of is the Ely sauna. Sure. Which I hadn't, again, mo- okay, I actually, believe it or not, grew up with a sauna in my house. Great. An, an electric, which I used. That, that was a very solitary experience because nobody mm-hmm. else in my family really did it, mm-hmm. and I would crank it up, yep. you know, especially when I'm trying to get away from my parents as a teenager or whatever. And then there's the health club version. Mm -hmm. Um, But I now almost exclusively go into the Boundary Waters from the Grand Marais side. But I used to go in on the the Ely side. And when we'd come out, we would go to the Ely Sauna, which is a public place. Mm -hmm. I I mean, at the time, I think you paid seven bucks. I think you still do. You go in. Mm -hmm. It's it's open maybe Thursday through Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I was warned beforehand. I'm like, there are guys up here who live off the grid and this is their one shower a week. They come into the sauna, they come into the public Ely sauna and they sit there and they sit in there for hours. And people would tell me like, these boys crank it up hot in there. Yeah. And then that's their one shower of the week. And then they go back out to live in the woods. Yeah. And uh, that was exactly my experience. But what I wasn't prepared for that ended up being awesome is these old dudes telling stories. Where were you? Where'd you guys go? Oh, we were just in the Boundary Waters. What lakes were you at? Blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, I knew Dorothy, the root beer lady. And well, let me tell you about Sigurd, what Sigurd was really like and yep. the mining and the mining versus the Boundary Waters and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you just get the whole thing. And these yep. guys just sit in there yep. for hours spinning yarns and chewing the fat. And, yep. you know, it was pretty cool. When, when Sauna came to the U.S., from Finland, it was the barbershop of the Finnish community mm. because nobody had cabins, nobody had backyards. They were immigrants. They no. came over on boats and were given the worst jobs in the mines and the mills and the docks. And the worst farm farmland. And the worst farmland, <laughs> right? But yeah. that was after. That was once they had enough money yeah. for the right. first year or two to go buy the farm. We'll talk about the farm in a minute. But be, it began with these community spaces like the Ely Steam Sauna. Huh. Like the, um, there's one more relic in Duluth uh, that's currently named the Duluth Family Sauna. But 100 years ago, literally this year it turns 100, it was called the Duluth Steam Bath Company. Wow. And Duluth had... 
upwards of 10 community saunas dotting the lakeshore and dotting the hillside. Really? Yeah. Duluth was named, uh, it had like the nickname uh, Little Helsinki at one time. And the neighborhood where our community sauna in was a specifically Finnish neighborhood and they called it, the locals called it Fintown. Wow. And that's because they got off the boats there, they went into a boarding house, there was a community sauna near and, and it was the barbershop. It was the place to go. It was the place to connect. Um, as Americans, as modern people, we don't think a lot about sort of what are the things that connect humanity over time. And I mm-hmm. think like eating and gathering and, and bathing, right? Mm-hmm. And so bathing is one of them. Mm-hmm. And you're, what we're seeing now is this resurgence of community bathing culture, spa mm-hmm. culture, People trying to de-stress, people trying to figure out depth and meaning, and they're finding it all over the world in these thermic bathing traditions. Yeah, man. I mean, if you, I've been to Rome a couple dozen times, and I'm yep. currently doing a bunch of writing set in the late Roman Empire. and The Roman baths. Yeah, man. I mean, you come out of the Termini station, the train station in Rome, in your cab or your uber or whatever and the first thing you see are the baths of diocletian Mm -hmm. like the vaults yep they were incredible and now there's a church built into them that's part of the reason they're still standing but yeah i've done a lot of reading about that roman bath uh tradition and and you know it's one of the great public works of of the romans like the aqueducts and the baths yep they they were like clean drinking water your poop is going to run through the sewer and we're going to get rid of it out of the town. Yep. And you're going to be able to go bathe for free. This was everybody could go for free to the yep. Roman baths. Yep. And there were steam rooms and hot rooms and cold plunges and, and massage and yeah. a lot of the, and there were, and guys giving lectures in, in other rooms, you know, f- philosophers and historians and stuff like that. So uh, there, the, the tradition goes back 2,500 years. Absolutely. And in multiple different cultures. Yeah. So the Romans, we've already talked about sauna in the Nordic countries, Mm -hmm. the Turkish hammam, Mm -hmm. the Native American sweat lodge, the Korean Jingjing Baum, the Russian Banya. I mean, there are cultures all over the world that have been thinking through and figuring out how hot and cold are good for us. Hmm. And now I think we're in this sort of 21st century of digital world and people are craving authentic experiences, embodied experiences, both in faith traditions as well. And and when they're out going to the boundary waters, when they're coming up to Duluth, when they're they're trying to spend some time with a loved one, we literally have people who come in to our space, walk through this experience and begin weeping Mm. because they haven't had that amount of rest in a long time. Yeah. Their body, they walk in, their body is bound and we watch them melt away that stress. Their shoulders change, their face changes and they realize, whoa, there's a lot of emotion behind that that I've just, I haven't been touching. Yeah. And there it comes and we support them in that. And so that's, you know, one version of what we're doing is this community sauna experience to teach people, to, to welcome people into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we do a bunch of other stuff. Okay, so um, you uh, let's let's talk about that. What you're doing? I mean, I had one experience of it because I did this one that you've had now. How long has it been on on the in Canal Park there? Almost two years. Okay. Um, yeah, and we we survived a pandemic with it there. Yeah, and so must I mean, not have been easy. You know, at, at one point it was like being a entrepreneur and figuring out well, how are we going to make it through this and we had and you're just like kind of leasing a little bit of grass from the the superior inn or whatever yeah 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 and we built a thing that we put blood sweat and tears and i mean a lot it's of money it into. looks permanent it does yeah. it's not mobile there's wheels under it are there uh-huh. Really? <laughs> uh-huh. but it's sneaky mobile it's it's like moving a tiny home you know it's not yeah. like yeah people walk in and there's 11 foot ceilings and they say i could live in here I say, yeah, you could. We could put bunks in here. <laughs> so that that's one part of what we're doing. Okay. Um, that experience, I think, will multiply. It already has yeah. um, to other locations. So um, 
we're introducing people to the experience. And I think that's going to continue to go to other spaces where there's beautiful things nearby, uh-huh. where there's hospitality spaces nearby, where there's retreat centers. Um, we've, we've literally sent one down and kicked one off uh, in Tampa, Florida. Hmm. And if we can do this in the sunshine of Tampa and yeah. the cold of Duluth, I think we can do it anywhere. That one in Tampa is at a yoga studio, yoga and wellness studio. And that business owner was like, fell in love with sauna and cold plunge. And she said, hey, we really want to do this. We want to do it to the quality that you're doing it. Okay. Can we do it together? And my background's in education. So we're like, yeah, like join our incubator program. We're going to teach you for six months. If you want us to build something, great. We'll build something. So how did they, did they come up here? Did you, how, how are you incubating them? You know, just like people are listening to this. On Zoom and... On Zoom, online, yeah. full online course curriculum. Oh, cool. Um, okay. That being built out. And then a number of them have, you know, done the pilgrimage to the sound of capital of North America. That is Duluth. <laughs> and more will. And then the crazy thing was we, we built her sauna um, and drove it 1,600 miles and brought it down Dang. to Tampa. So, so you manufactured it in Duluth yeah. and then delivered it. Yeah. Yep. I wondered how you'd been, because I'm watch, following your Insta and I'm seeing you did a, recently like a tour Mm-hmm. A virtual tour, kind of around the country, of all your different sauna. You know, most of those are private, but most, some of them are. Yeah, right. Re- commer- so the yeah. commercial experience, you know, partnered with a gym, partnered with a hotel, partnered with a yoga studio. Right, that's one arm. The other is people fall in love with this and they say, "I, I would like access to this." Yeah, at my house, I would in my oh, backyard at my cabin. Right, and so yeah, then we're building absolutely. them for folks for their home, their property. And we, um, full design build custom service, high quality using really great materials. So it'll last and be beautiful. And it's, it's not the cheapest thing and that's intentional. There are other companies that will build you a really cheap thing. Well, you can just buy them. You can buy the barrel ones or whatever out Mm -hmm. of sky mall magazine, you know, Mm -hmm. and that will get you through a couple Minnesota winters and then it won't. Yeah. And then it will not be built to, enjoy for the long haul usually right um sorry if any of your listeners have no no barrel i think us, you're i think you're exactly right it's yeah. it's a the barrel is a concession not for the user but for the bill it's it's how do we make them quickly and e- easily and cheaply yeah, right. so when i get in a barrel i say immediately well you've you've given up by the architecture of the space you've given up on a couple key principles of a good sauna one is that there's not multiple layers of benches. Oh, because you self-regulate the temperature you're in by which bench you sit on. Absolutely. Yeah. So if, if you are somebody who sound is a lot, you build up a tolerance to the uh-huh. heat. Yeah. It's, it's like any exercise. As you start running, is a 5K a long race? If you're a marathon runner, it's not. If you've never ran before, it is. Yeah. The heat you will get used to and your body will get used to and you'll be able to do higher and higher temps. Mm-hmm. In a barrel, your feet are at one temp, your head's at another, and there's a bunch of space above your head because it's a circle. Yeah, right. And you're, you're, you're heating all this air above you that you can't even really enjoy. Uh-huh. And there's this old principle of you want your whole body to be above the rocks of the stove. Oh, that's a principle of and, sounding? Mm-hmm. And so then you're, okay. your whole body's in the heat. And there's a spot on a lower bench for those who are new mm-hmm. to sauna. My kids, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up in a space, folks who are new, there's always a space for you. We say, hey, the invigorating heat's on the top bench. And there's a, if you're new to this, there's a smooth, even heat just on that lower bench right mm-hmm. there. Find whatever's comfortable for you. We're opening the door to more people. It isn't come endure this thing with us. Yeah. It's come enjoy this experience with us yeah we um we went into lake superior mm-hmm. from your the, the your sauna well what, what do you have a name of that sauna that i used is do, do you cedar and stone nordic that, sauna canal park okay mm-hmm. you didn't like give it a funny name or whatever but that's that's like the mothership sauna yeah that's kind of the I flagship mean, other than there's probably one in your backyard 
There's there's a number, but I I also <laughs> live in this old Duluth home. Uh-huh. So I have access to a lot of saunas, but I live in this 100-year-old Duluth house and there wasn't enough space for a, a proper sauna. Oh, is that right? Okay. So we built this, you know, North America's best mobile sauna and oh, gave it away to the whole community, you know. Oh, nice. And and yeah. so yeah. in right. some ways gotcha. the the pain point of not having enough room for one so some days I'd be walking down the boardwalk or whatever on Canal Park, and I would just see you alone in that. Yeah, or our staff. Yeah, or guests. Yeah. Okay, we so we um, people, you know, they were a little skeptical at first. Yeah. Some of the people in my group, they hadn't really done stuff like that, and then there was the guy who had the you know the health club experience. They were blown away. They absolutely loved it. They loved every part of it. Um, I will say, I would like you to build a bridge over those huge boulders <laughs> down into the lake. Because as a 53-year-old guy, I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm pretty good on my feet, but we, we were, we, uh, as I told you before we started recording, we did break into your first aid kit. You might need to replace <laughs> some gauze. Cause you signed the waiver. A, we did sign the waiver. Not that we read it, but we did sign the, it. The... <laughs> Lake Superior cold plunge is not an uh, not a mandated portion of the process. No, but I no. will say this: it's incredible, though. It's so incredible, and I'll oh say my gosh. it's my favorite cold plunge in the world. And a year and a half ago, those boulders weren't there. Right. But right. Lake Superior is a is a fickle mistress. I mean, yes. she does what she wants. Yes, she does. And uh, so the the complete boardwalk there was literally two falls in a row ripped up and torn away into the the unsalted sea we have there. Really? So for the last year, oh, they rebuilt it yeah. and put all those boulders there. That will help to make sure the boardwalk stays for a little while, but it makes it a little harder to get down to. Um, but it is a little hairy <laughs> getting down there. And there's, you look down and, and you, there's a few openings of, you know, a grown man could fall into. Yeah. But I made it. You made it. And then I got back in the sauna, and they're like, oh, Ryan's bleeding. And this is another guy in our group who's a little more adventurous than I, a seven, an Enneagram seven. It's oh, kind yeah. of like, woo, Fun. experience. <laughs> and he had blood dripping down his leg, and I'm, I'm back in the sauna looking out through the glass door, kind of mocking him like, of course, Ryan. Of course, Ryan gashed his leg, and Liv is, you know, finding antiseptic wipes and gauzing him up. And then somebody's like, Tony, you're also bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, I'm like, oh, yeah, I scraped my shin getting out. But it's so darn cold, you don't really notice that you've cut yourself. No, I mean, the lake hovers under 50 the majority of the year. It was so, I mean, it was really, I love the bucket pull over the head. That Mm -hmm. was very cool. And since then, you've added a cold plunge. Mm Uh, to that sauna experience. But I got to say, anybody who does it, I strongly urge you, if you think you can navigate those boulders, get down into Lake Superior. I I would say it this way. Actually, if you guys would have taken a quick left and just walked a little bit, there would have been a nice pebble beach that you could skip, well, skip rocks. Yeah, Liv was you, like, you can go down there, but it's like a quarter mile. <laughs> that's like, so we're like, yeah, let's just go straight in. But, so after the session, that's the, that's the way to oh, cap after, it. Not in the yeah. middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the cold that we have there in the middle, and then after, walk down and baptize yourselves in the water. And, yeah, oof, awesome. That'll, awesome. That's so good. I will say this for folks who are wondering, what the heck are they talking about? Sauna is always more than a hot room. Hmm. So in the Finnish language, sauna is not just a space. It's a verb. It's a practice. Okay. It is you, you sauna as an activity. Uh, the components of that, that ritual, are hot, cold, rest, rehydrate, and repeat. Okay. So when people think about sauna, they think about going to the gym, enduring a workout, sitting in a hot room for 10 minutes, enduring the heat, and thinking, hmm, I got some detox out of yeah, that deal. Yeah. Great, I, I'm, I, yeah. I'm done. I'm going to go hit the showers. And I would say you've literally just done the hard part uh, of a cult, like getting your body acclimated to the heat, Yeah. and then you're giving up. You haven't even gotten to the wellness benefits. You haven't gotten to the enjoyment. The first mm-hmm. 10 minutes are always the hard part. Yeah. Your body's getting used to it. 
So when we think about cold plunge in Lake Superior, that is a amazing way to do the cold. There's a whole bunch of other ways. There's roll in the snow. There's go outside, sit on a chair, feel the breeze off the lake. Mm -hmm. There's a bucket of cold water over your head from Mm -hmm. our waterfall showers. There's a lot of ways to do that. And there's a lot of health benefits of the cold as well and the hot. So we're training our body in high heat. Bring your your, uh, heart rate up real high. And then when you go in the cold, your heart slows down. So when you're when you're installing uh, one in someone's backyard, like eventually you'll do in my backyard someday right. after the kitchen remodel is yep. paid for, um, do you always or do you insist upon having some cold element? Like we got to plumb a shower for you at least because you need cold or... Or do you strongly I, encourage it, or how do you? Yeah, yeah. Good question. I ask. Okay. What you know? What do you? What are you thinking about for cold? Yeah. And um, we're in the Upper Midwest. There's a lot of cold. Yeah. There's also people who have pools and hot tubs and outdoor showers, sort of already around. Outdoor showers also where there's a lot of cold in the Upper Midwest are really a three season activity. Yes. Um, and the shoulder seasons, it's a little. Iffy. Touch and go. You don't want to you, you don't want to freeze those pipes. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm always asking, you know, what what does that look like for you guys? What do you expect out of it? Do you want to bathe in the space? Are you gonna go in there and sweat yeah. and enjoy and then come out? And um and there's a lot of different ways to solve that. So I would say it's always on the list of the design plan. It looks a whole bunch of different ways. Sure. You know, we'll build a deck and put a cold plunge that chills the water and filters the water and it's right there mm-hmm. that's sort of like the opulent version or we put it in the backyard and 10 steps away is a beautiful lake and they don't need a cold plunge they have a lake right there you know um so depends i've been told and i should probably look up the the ordinances of this our our cabin is in crow wing county okay. in central minnesota and i've been told that the one thing you don't need a variance for is to build a sauna on your lakeshore. Now that could have just been an old wives' tale or an urban or rural legend, but yeah. I'll have to look that up. I I am somewhat familiar with the codes for I'm guessing Minnesota counties. Yeah. I have not heard that one for Crow Wing County, but I like that. I'll look it up. I to like see. that idea that you don't it. need it. Because there's that. a lot of lake cabins in Crow Wing County. Mm-hmm. And there's there's appropriately people wanting to protect lakeshore yes absolutely and there's also these traditions of saunas that then let's go back to our history lesson that we were starting earlier it started as a community space then often people in the sort of early front half of the mid 20th uh, 19th century 20th century uh, bought a piece of property they bought a farm Mm -hmm. and those Finnish immigrants the sauna was the building built first Really? And in the first year, they lived in the sauna while they built the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. They had their kids in the sauna. They bathed there. They lived in there. They prepared their dead in there. And so that is a space Whoa. that in Finnish culture is sort of sacred in many ways. And you'll see these old structures built, and they were the first building built while the farm was being built. Hmm. Then those farm families got big, and not everybody could have a farm, so... The house was built. Mm-hmm. The sauna was put at the house in the basement or the backyard. And then 50s, 60s, 70s, people started buying cabins. And the sauna was brought to the cabin and the lakeshore. And yeah. so depending on when the family went there or when the sauna was built, um, you see some built literally right on or over the lake yeah. if it's a real old one. Yeah. The newer ones get built further away. We build them on wheels sometimes oh. so they can be brought right up to the shore yeah. and get around some variants. And then you could bring it home here to Minneapolis and St. Paul. I'd love that. Yeah. You could have it in both places. That's good. That's good. To, I'll keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Do, do the Swedes, Norwegians, and Danes have, have sauna culture, uh, culture mm-hmm. or is it mainly Finnish? I would say it's most proud in Finland. Okay. Um, and the Swedes and the Norwegians definitely have sauna culture. The Danes, a little less so, okay. but not none. Um, and yeah, I mean, in Finland, it's, it's such a part of the culture. There are 3.3 to 3.5 million saunas, which is more cars than there are in Finland. 
Whoa, more saunas than cars in Finland. Correct. Uh-huh. It's about the size of Minnesota wow. for land, and it's about the same number of people, the whole country of Finland. So if you just imagine the amount of cars you see, you know, and the same amount of land, you basically got a sauna for every other person there. That's crazy. Yeah. It's in law that if you build, uh, like, an apartment, it has to have a sauna. I love it. Uh-huh. The Finnish military would take saunas with sauna tents with them onto the front lines. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I want to shift gears a little bit. Let's do it. And ask you something because you and I have a shared, you know, um, affinity for Christian ministry or history with Christian ministry. And I'll just put you on the spot a little bit to ask you, as, as a guy who grew up in, that, in the sauna culture, but also grew up in Christian culture and went to a Christian college and did some pastoral ministry, yes, mm-hmm. after college. Correct. And now as a guy who's so into fit, uh, personal wellness, personal wellness and holistic wellness of the whole person. And just hearing you talk about these, you know, kind of the five points on this circle of the sauna experience. Yeah. Why does the Christian church suck so bad at wellness? I'm serious. Mm. You would never go to a church, man, and hear a preacher talk about wellness in the way that you have never would they talk about whole body wellness about taking care of yourself about your heart rate about your diet anything like that they might tell you not to drink or not to have sex with someone you're not married to but that's about it <laughs> right right so what in the world what, what how could this how could i hear you talking about this sound of culture and after 45 minutes i'm like I want one in my backyard. I don't just want to do the one at the gym I do every day. I want one in my backyard that I can do with Courtney, that I can do with my kids when they're home from college. That yeah. is something, you know, before we sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, we're all going to sauna and take a cold shower together, you mm-hmm. know, as a, a communal experience. I want that immediately, like after hearing you talk about it for 45 minutes. How, how has the church, how do we never talk about anything like that, even in the same mm-hmm. ballpark? Mm-hmm. You, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, if I'm putting you on the spot by asking you yeah. that. But that's, that's, my, that's like my gut reaction in hearing you talk about it and then being like, how does that fit with what you and I, one of the things you and I share, which is being trained in Christian ministry, working mm-hmm. in churches, preaching from a pulpit, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because I, when I hear you ask that question, I think about my story in all of this was I actually grew up in a very non-Christian home, nominal, stoic, Scandinavian kind of home, mm-hmm. um, uh, rampant alcoholism. Mm. And only until I went to a Christian college did I find the church. I've often said it that way. I walked into this residence hall and, I, and people were sort of following Jesus daily. And I said, oh, oh, this is, this is what the church looks like. And then I went into studying theology and philosophy and ministry, mm-hmm. uh, reading one of your books way back when. <laughs> um, and I was like, but I don't know what the church is. I didn't grow up in, I didn't have a youth pastor like okay. some of all these guys. And so I, what I happened was I just stayed in educational institutions and I, I pastored there. I learned there. I was in higher ed. I love this formative moment of people's lives where they're in college. They're going to choose left, right. Where are we going to go? What, what's my life going to look mm-hmm. like? What's the shape of it? And then along the way, um, we're going to higher ed. I got asked to do a wedding. Okay. I had a stepsister. She was just like, hey, you go to church sometimes and you're good at talking to people. Would you ever do our wedding? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll figure that out, you know? And we did the wedding and I had people coming up to my mom afterwards saying, where's your son's congregation? <laughs> I was like, oh goodness, that's yeah. not, no mom, that's not it. But it kind of put this bug in my ear like when I was in college sort of studying of saying, hmm, I wonder if ministry could be a thing for me. Uh-huh. And cold called out of the blue by the senior pastor at the church who we had been a part of. And he said, Hey, I heard you're interested in sort of a transition and career stuff thinking about, 
you've been recommended for this job for a few people by a few people here at the church. Uh-huh. Wondered if you'd want to come have a beer with me and hang out and talk about it. And, you know, immediately we're already veering off the normal yeah, path yeah, for right, the pastors. Right. But, yeah. And so he pitched this, this chance to sort of work with him, build this nonprofit that was about church planting. Uh-huh. And I said, I want to learn with you for the next handful of years. And I want to discern if pastoring is going to be a thing for me. And in those five years, we built a nonprofit. We helped plant churches all over the country. And it was amazing work and it was meaningful work. And I have the highest respect for many of these pastors who are going into new communities and saying, hey, Jesus should still live here too. And a lot of them, they would be very interested in these kinds of conversations that we're having because institutionally, the church is bad at these things. Mm-hmm. But I think on the ground, I think you have people trying to meet the needs of a city hmm. and meet the needs of their community. And I spent the better part of two years feeling too stretched between traveling to conferences we were putting on and going to other parts of the country while having two little kids. And I was literally... Um, asking God, God, what do, you, what do I want to give the next 20 years of my life to? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was very present that going and planting a church could have been the thing. I was in this organization that was doing it. I had right. all the opportunity to go that path. And the thing that kept bubbling up was the commitment to my city and the flourishing of Duluth. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted. And I said, oh man, I'd, I'd been doing a bunch of inner work and Enneagram work and um, spiritual direction, had a great spiritual director, been walking through the Ignatian exercises and just sort of like my life was getting turned upside down because I was listening to my own wants and desires. And what kept bubbling up was I want the, the flourishing of this community that I'm in, Duluth, Minnesota, the space that I love. And the problem I kept seeing was stress and anxiety. I was like, I'm weirdly prepared to help people with stress and anxiety. I have this mm-hmm. sound of tradition that my family is literally kind of handed to me. Wonder what that could look like. And years before, a decade ago, I traveled to Finland with my wife. And mm-hmm. we did this whole tour through Scandinavia. And we went to all these community saunas. And one was literally, Tony, floating on the Baltic. Oh, my gosh. And I got in this rowboat with this Finnish man and he rowed us out and he left us on this raft to sauna and swim and sauna and swim. It it was magical. Yeah. And that day I said to my wife, I said, if this could happen in the U.S., it could happen in Duluth. Yeah. And we moved back. And then this season of life where I was asking, what could we do? um, It was this moment where I thought, I really do want to serve my community. And I do really want to care about them. And I'm answering your question by saying, I actually feel like half the time I I am being a pastor. Yeah. I am doing this work that is embodied and holistic. And does the church suck at it? Maybe in some parts. In other parts, I actually think we're innovating. Yeah. We're finding ways to meet people's needs in really deep ways. I mean, you, yes. I feel like I'm planting a church. I think you had to leave the church to do the work. (laughs) Sure. This is what I'm saying. There we go. Mm -hmm. And good for you Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't have any trouble with you classifying what you do as ministry or as the church writ large kind of, I think it's Uh what I'm doing too. Absolutely. For sure. But we had to leave the church to do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same way that I've, spent a lot of time thinking and writing recently about like why when I left the church and went into the woods to hunt, I started finding God and transcendence Mm -hmm. there in ways I never did listening to sermons, singing the same old hymns, etc. I just am glad you're doing it. And I, I wish the church didn't suck at it. And even if you reject the premise of my question, it got an awe. I'm glad because we got to hear more part of your story. I mean, don't you think every church should have a sauna? If the sauna does what you say mm-hmm. it does, mm-hmm. and the church is supposedly cares about those very things, yeah. there should be a sauna in every church. Sure, sure. In, in a lot of them, absolutely. In a lot of them, yeah. Now, the thing I'll say is, and I liked what you said, right? You went into the woods and you found yeah. transcendence. 
um, I feel like I was I was sent to go do this rather than left. Okay. So I, there was there was a preparation. That's always risky, though. Yeah. And I think God meets us in that risk. I feel like I was invited. So in that process of Ignatian spirituality and walking through the spiritual director, God said, "Yeah, that's the thing you want. Sure, I want you to do the thing you're built for, the thing you really desire, the thing that I didn't believe was." God, could you really be generous enough to allow me to do that? Mm. Because I think the problem, if I'm going to identify it, is we think we should be too dutiful to the church and we it should always look like sacrifice. It should always look like pain. And I don't think that's healthy for many people. I think that's there will be hard seasons. It, I plant, Building this, this business has been way more difficult than going and just working a job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And has it been worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like I get, I'm built to do the thing I do in the city that I love. And I've been asking God for two years, God, are you really this generous? Hmm. That, that I could get to do that kind of work out of invitation from you. Yeah. So that's a different perspective on God. The church, I think, has a, a seldom a good view of how people actually transform. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're wanting the honest answer back, the idea is the sermon will change us. And I just don't think that's how people are transformed. Yeah. And the sermon will help as a part of the process, but I don't think they need to be 45 minutes long. <laughs> Heck it's, no. good, it's good to get a lot of people in the room, yeah. right? But, but we don't even, we seldom learn through lecture, let alone transformation of our yeah, lives. Right. So what I'm talking about is, embodied and ritual and information and question asking and guiding and Mm -hmm. dare I say the word discipleship, right? Like Mm -hmm. it looks, I think it looks a whole lot more like that in an embodied practice than it does information delivery sermon as the only method of transformation. Now I think there's a lot of churches who care deeply about discipleship and transformation and the sermons one piece to that puzzle. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I think what you're doing is amazing, and I loved not only being a part of it, but being part of a group yeah. who had just yeah. come out of the Boundary Waters and got to sit in your sauna and with Liv, who was fit great for us, and bringing in you know different uh, uh, oils on the pouring on the rocks with the different aromatherapies and yeah. incredible, just like. You, you're in there, the steam hits, you smell some smell, and we all know how much smell is attached to memory. You know, you, you smell that pine, tar, pine resin one, and it's mm-hmm. just like, oh my gosh, I'm back in this place. And yep. um, everything about it, man, people were raving about the tea you guys were serving. <laughs> it was just great, and I really hope that anybody who gets a chance to get to Duluth does it takes advantage of it. I've already sold my wife and her friends on doing it in October when they're yeah. going yeah. up to the North Shore. Um, and and for people who don't get to Duluth, I mean, they should at least check out your website, follow you on Instagram, and who knows, maybe get you to, you know, build them a sauna and put it on a trailer and drive it to them. Well, I mean, that's the thing. We're, we're seeing people align with what the vision of what we're doing. And yeah. they're saying, I have stressed out people in my city. Hey, I, I could do this here. We say, yeah, absolutely. Come learn with us. We will train you. We'll support you. We'll provide you opportunity. Let's go do it there too. Um, and and it's that is such. When I dreamt the vision, there was this small version of it, and God was like, "Here, no, no, no. Hold ten years worth of vision." So the thing we're doing now, you just got to be a part of like experiment one. Ah, oh, it's fun, you know. Yeah, and I think it's just awesome. going to keep it continuing to grow. And it is because I think people desire these in embodied experiences. For sure. And whether it's hunting and walking through the woods and being a part of it, whether it's these wellness traditions of sauna, there's, there's a lot that we can keep unpacking. So Yeah, and uh-huh. I think as we all come out of COVID, I mean, I know what happened to me for hunting, and a lot of people are just like, I'm kind of rethinking the whole deal, why I do what I do. Yep. And... Uh, yeah, it's. I think your your sauna experience is going to be a big part of that too. So, man, keep it up, and you know, circle back and 
come back on the podcast in a couple of years and we'll see where you're at then. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, cool. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Tony. All right, Brandon, I'm, I've, I'm sure everybody loved that conversation, but they're all wondering, all the listeners out there are wondering one thing. <laughs> What's that, Tony? What's the question everyone's wondering? Did Justin sauna naked with his grandparents when he was growing up? I was thinking that the entire time, <laughs> the entire time while recording. What is the answer to that question? The answer is yes. <laughs> he didn't answer it on air, but after we stopped recording, I'm like, dude, you kind of avoided that question. What's the answer? And he just looked kind of naughty. He's like, yep. So there you go, people. <laughs> I don't even think he avoided it. I think it was, it's just so commonplace for him. That he just it didn't even enter his mind. When That's he- probably true. <laughs> no naked sauna in Duluth. It even says it on their website. You got to wear a swimsuit. But uh, maybe if he invites you to his private sauna, you go old school birthday suit. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Reverend Hunter podcast. We'll see you back here in a couple weeks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. We'd love you all for listening. Take care.